Firstly, with respects to just the learning curve, you know, it's funny when you, you know, watched your podcast when I was firstly on and all those big guys are like, this is what you do to start out, like kind of like the number three things you would do as a new broker. I took heed of none of that. Didn't get a CRM, didn't do it. They're like, nah, I don't need that. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was always like, it was like, hey, you know, operate your business like you're busy. And I understood that, but I didn't have enough business to be able to really wrap my head around the processes of it. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, welcome to the ILMB Rookie Mortgage Broker Podcast. Every Friday, we talk to a rookie who's making waves in the mortgage industry to see how they're succeeding in today's competitive market. Today on the show, I have McDaniel Phillips. He was on episode 18, and he took our very first program called 10 Steps to 10 Million, where we coached him on building a referral-based business. I'll actually touch on this later, and it worked, obviously, for him, but it created a new set of challenges that we have since addressed, which I'll cover in a sec. He got licensed in December 2020 and didn't do a single mortgage in his first six months. So hustled, nothing happened, joined our program. We showed him how to get a referral-based business going and finished 2021 with $7 million in fundings. And this year he's already almost at 7 million funded. I think something like 5 million plus another two to three set to fund and a whole bunch of pre-approvals. And the guy's just doing amazing things. And so we talk about some of the changes he's made to his business in this last six months, some of the improvements. One of the changes is he went from doing two calls with a client, discovery call, strategy call to a single call, which he had learned through one of our coaches. And it is an advanced technique. So I wouldn't recommend if you're a rookie to try to do it all in one call because you probably can't even have a meaningful conversation because you don't understand all the nuances of the files yet. But as you get more experience, it's something you can do. And so here's what I discovered though. So when we did the program with McDaniel, we really focused on lead generation, referral-based, and we help people get leads from real estate partners. And if you follow the program, it works. But the challenge was is that your next problem, which didn't even dawn on me, was actually the conversion conversation. So the discovery call, the strategy call, and McDaniel touches on this and that that was sort of his next challenge that he had to overcome. And he's done it, but the way we do it now through our Rookie to Rockstar program, we actually focus on three things. We focus on find, what we call finding business. So that's like you know, the lead generation, getting referrals, conversion, convert, and then fund. Convert is really about the client conversation. What's a discovery call look like? Do you have a plan? You know, how do you keep them from shopping you? How do you know that they're even working with you? And then a strategy call, which is where you really show a ton of value and build that, you know, referral based business. And then the funding is on the underwriting side. And so you may be thinking if you're new, you've got three problems. They always say new level, new devil. When you solve one problem, there's always a new problem. So if your first problem is finding leads, that part is easy. You know, if you know how to do it, you can go out and get leads. But then your next problem is conversion. How do I get these clients to want to work with me? And then if you get them to work with you, now you've got the problem of getting them funded, right? So then the next problem becomes now, okay, I know how to get leads. I know how to convert them. Now I got to figure out how underwriting works and get funding done. And when you get that part figured out, then your problem becomes, okay, how do I A, continue to go out and grow my business if I'm busy working on files all the time? So the thing you can be 100% sure of is that if you're a new agent, there's always going to be new stuff to learn. Always think about growth. And McDaniel had said something at the end of this conversation, just reminded me of, and I say this all the time, there's no problem in your mortgage business that somebody else hasn't already solved. Somebody solved, like whatever problem you're facing, you're like, this is not the first time. You are not the only person to go through this. Your challenge is to find somebody who's already done it and get them to show you how to do it. That's it. You get that dialed in, 
you'll have a successful business. So hopefully you enjoyed this conversation I had with McDaniel. Also in the Ask the Expert segment, I talked to Tom Hall about what happens when you're away. So when you do get to go away. Before we jump into that though, I want to give a shout out to our title sponsor, Finmo. Finmo is a Canadian mortgage application, document collection, submission platform designed specifically for Canadians. It's very easy for borrowers to use, easy for brokers. It's got smart docs, so it knows what documents your client needs. It's got smart submission notes, so it, it scrapes the application for key information, puts it in the notes so that your lender can find it easy. And, and then it's connected to Lender Spotlight, so you can search rates and guidelines to figure out what to do with that file. Very easy platform. Check them out at finmo.ca and get a demo booked, and they'll just walk you through the entire thing. Check out this conversation with McDaniel. Hey, McDaniel, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, Scott, thanks for having me. So I love doing these update shows and you had a great year last year and this year you're flying again, which we'll chat about in a bit. But tell me about what has been the biggest change that you've seen in your business so far this year. The biggest change in my business is, I guess, different revenue streams and different opportunities for where my leads are coming from. I had a, you know, a kind of a single focused mindset that my leads needed to come from realtor partners and did a lot less database marketing and really looked for referrals from clients a lot less. I was really leaving it into that realtor to send me business. And I really didn't like that. I wanted to look at other opportunities. So I was looking at some niche programs that are going on right now, things like co-ownership, things like rent to own, and looking for opportunities to market right into my database. And that as well as social media, I've noticed that I'm getting a lot more diverse stream of referrals coming in and less reliant on those realtor partners. Right, uh, which helped you get started. And you were touching on before we turn on the recorder, that because it's getting better, your whole loan process, it's actually sucking in more clients and referral partners as well. So it's not just marketing, because your process can be marketing if you do it right, if you do it well, right? Have you experienced that? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think just keeping them under the folds and making sure that my follow-up process is a lot more yeah, strict than it was last year. Like I have new software now that I use for my business and have received more leads in the first quarter of this year than I received in my entire year last year. So that's when I was like, okay, great. I need to you know, make sure I have something else to track my business. This Excel spreadsheet's no longer working. And yeah, the business has just taken off. That's awesome. Okay, so I should have asked at the beginning, but when did you get licensed again? When did you come into the mortgage industry? December 29th, 2020. Good time to do it, 2020. And then, so how was 2021 for you in terms of units and production? Uh, yeah, obviously it was a first year into the business. Took quite a bit of time to get that ball rolling downhill. Like for example, I didn't fund anything for my first six months. January, six months. you know, had some good deals come on my plate and because I wasn't experienced enough or didn't have the support you know, at that time, or at least support that I thought I had at that time, I lost a few, couple of big deals. I was able to fund a few, but in the beginning there was some growing pains. Once I hit that six, seven months, I was able to hit my stride, understand better how to utilize my support system. I think that was what was most important and yeah. a lot better funding ratios moving forward. So I think last year I funded 17 mortgages, if I'm not mistaken, almost all of them were purchase sales. And yeah, so that was kind of in the last six months. I did about $7 million all said and done last year. And, I and where would that business, did it come primarily from real estate agents or where would that come from? Oh, like I might have one lead come from an old business partner, but all of the leads were coming in from realtor partners. Right. Okay. Uh, and then what about so far this year? How's it looked for you? Yeah, no, this year is actually doing really well. Like I've almost reached what I did as far as volume all last year. And now there's a much diverse mix of business. I'm doing construction. I'm doing a lot more refinances, a lot more switch transfers, and as well, obviously purchases and building a lot more lead opportunities from my referral partner. So that's yeah. fantastic. And so one of the things you went through one of our original programs, you know, our teaching the sales part of it. So we teach you how to get leads. And I'm curious, after getting the lead, what was your next challenge? So you figured out how to, okay, 
I can get for that real estate agent to get them to give me a referral. What was your sort of next hurdle that you had to overcome? 100%. So I guess the first hurdle for me was I was really good at getting the realtor on the call. I was, you know, fair to Midland and getting the presentation done. But after that, it just dropped off. I didn't mm-hmm. really have a confidence or the wherewithal or I guess the linguistic skills at that time to have those follow up conversations and keep those realtors engaged. So I'd call every two or three weeks and like, hey, buddy, like it's been three weeks. Like I don't even know you anymore. So I was losing a lot of really good opportunities with those realtors. But then when those leads were coming in the door, I wasn't being able to manage the property. I had an Excel sheet. I didn't have any drip campaigns, no marketing going to them at all via email. And if they didn't answer two or three times, they fell by the wayside. So that was the biggest opportunity that I noticed that I was just letting leads you know, skate out the door essentially. Right. And then how about we touched on this, which I'd love to chat a bit more because you made some changes, but so how about like the discovery call and strategy session? How was your understanding? How has that changed and improved since starting out? Because I think people forget like problem one is get a lead. Okay. Awesome. Now it's like, now what? Like, and it's one thing and just understanding the underwriting is part of, you got to convince that client to work with you, right? Like there's an art to that. So the discovery call slash strategy call. Tell me about that. What was that like for you when you were first figuring it out? What were you doing and then what are you doing now? Sure. So when I first started out, you know, I was having a discovery call with the client, but real no fixed understanding of the questions that I wanted to ask. It was more just a, hey, you know, how's it going kind of conversation and then send out this application link. And the success rate on getting the apps back firstly was really, really poor. And I didn't know enough about the client during that initial call. And I constantly was following up for more information. Are you married? Do you have kids? Like things that I should have been able to discern firstly. And then during the strategy call, I was going through a full report card, you know, with the client, maybe a 25 to 30 minute conversation. And I found that the majority of the information either wasn't needed, wasn't being used, or wasn't assisting me moving the deal forward. So firstly, during the discovery call, what I changed was I found that I was doing a lot more pre-approvals for clients that had no business getting a pre-approval in the first place. I wasn't weeding out those bad leads. I was just doing the pre-approval thinking that, hey, it'll end up panning out to something. No, that was just a wasted time and investment. So now during my discovery call, it's really just to ascertain what are you doing? Why are you having this conversation with me? Why do you believe now's the time to have a mortgage? And then try to weed out those bad actors or you know online lead kind of people early on. And I've completely dropped off the strategy call. Now what I do is I just have one more lengthy in-depth call where half of it is discovery, half of it is understanding exactly who this client is. And then immediately I go into what I believe their best options are. Why I think that's also important as well is because I've had some A clients that once I got the deal going and I give them their options, they're like, hey, I don't want a B lender. I don't want a 1% fee. Meanwhile, I knew in the first call, this was a B client. So I ended up you know, discouraging clients and ended up not being able to fund those deals. And you're also doing work on something. You're basically painting a fence and not even yeah. getting paid for it. It's like, I don't want a wood fence. I want a plastic fence or something. And, and exactly. so dealing with that up front. Now, I love this. And you're in our academy and you've done some coaching with Hannah, who's a master at this. I call her the one call broker. But do you think you could have done this when you first started out? Do you think you would have had the depth of knowledge to be able to do a single call? Or do you think that two calls was something you had to do to start? there's no way that I could have done it in one call in the beginning. I was four months into being a broker and didn't even understand what a B lender was or how to identify certain different classes of lending or what clients are. So there's no way I could have done it. It's only now because I've got so many deals experience that I feel confident to be able to offer solutions on the spot. I would have had to, in the past, take the information, go to my broker, and then follow up with the client, even sometimes a week or two later because, you know, how, you know, in depth or how busy they are as well. Right, right. Yeah. So I think as you've gotten more experience, you're now able to have a meaningful conversation. So 
you touched on something before we turned the recorder as well. So will you send people back to their bank? Because most time people are like, don't talk about the bank. Let's not talk about the other woman or the other man. You know, like we got to pretend they don't exist. So how do you handle that? How do you like tell them to go there? Do you not? I'm curious. So I want to understand that if I'm talking to a client who banks at a primary bank, I see they have good income and they potentially have good credit. Why are you talking to me? I want to understand why have you circumvented whatever you believe would be your best option, first of all. And right. more often than not, it's because that realtor that they work with said, go and talk to Mac, which is fantastic. But then after they were doing a pre-approval with me, they were then running to the bank and saying, hey, you know, my broker told me this, and this is the rate they've offered me. And then clearly, because we know the banks are so vicious nowadays, they would drop the rate, and I was losing clients. So now I'm saying, listen, if you haven't gone to the bank, why not? Why haven't you gone to your bank? Do you plan on working with your bank? And if they haven't even walked into their bank at all, I would say, do you plan to? And if you have any expectation to go into your bank, do that now and come back and see me. Because more often than not, the bank's not going to offer them their best and final and initial walk in the door. And then I have the ability to do something better, offer better service and products. You always want to go second. You do not yeah. want to be the yeah. first pitch. Because if you go second, and if, especially I've done this in the past where client came to me, they went to their bank, banks that can't do it. They came to me. I looked at it and I'm like, this is so easy. I'm like, oh my gosh, if they just, so I explained to the client exactly how I was going to solve it. They went back to the bank and they explained to the bank and the banker's like, oh, I didn't know you could do that. And so again, there's a thousand one ways to kill a file. In that case, I would not have gotten into the nitty gritty of how I just was said, yes, I can look at this. Do I have your commitment? You're going to work with me. Great. Here's what the pricing is going to look like. And I was so excited. It was like, literally, like, I can't believe they didn't see this. Like, I was just like, how dumb are you? And then once they saw it, they were like, oh, yeah, how dumb are we? But yeah, so this is why it's better to go second and not give away all of your secrets. And so you basically push them. So if I'm on a call with you and I'm like, yeah, you know what? I was planning to talk to my bank after I deal with RBC or whatever. Will you just end the call there and then reschedule or what will you typically do? I'll still collect all the data. I'll get a good understanding of what their best options are. And then I'll recommend that, hey, you know, if you have any expectation of walking into your bank, I think that's a good time to do that now. Let's set up a secondary call, just as you just suggested, and let's review what they're able to offer you. I typically do that, though, when I know the client has 20% down and or has non-subject rentals, because we all know the big banks operate very differently. And if somebody's with the big green guy, for example, I know I can shatter them right away. So I have them go back, speak to that person, and then I come back and offer them a better opinion. Yeah. And then say, I'll do that with you. Okay, great. But this is all stuff that you learn as you become more experienced. And, you know, if you're brand new, you'd be scared to do that. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I have a client. And then, you know, next thing you know, you didn't have a client, but you thought you did. So yeah. you might as well just have the discussion. Okay. So you've gone to this one call. What other changes or improvements have you made to your business that have been helpful for you in the last, you know, 90 days? I think the biggest thing that's really just pivoted, and I know we talked about it before, it's the mindset pivot and structure of Who's most important in this transaction? Is it the realtor or is it the mortgage broker? And I've come to realize working with a lot of the realtors that I've been referred to is that they're really reliant on us to provide solutions, whether it's for unique strategies or for new lead generating opportunities or just for market updates. I've actually had realtors call me now and say, hey, I want to prove myself to you, not the other way around. And it's because they realize the importance and really the benefit that a mortgage broker offers to the actual experience. They know that nothing happens without us closing the deal. So that mental pivot of no longer calling to ask for business, I'm looking to give you business and to create new lead generating opportunities for you and your business, things changed immediately. Like you speak slower, you're more confident. It's no longer, hey, you know, help me out. You're not like, yeah, please, sir, give me a lead. You're like, no, no, dude, I'm going to help. Yeah. And because that confidence comes yeah. across in your tone, your choice of language, if you believe in you, they'll believe in you. But if you don't believe in you, 
they're not going to believe in you, right? They're going to be like, dude, why would I bother with you, right? So yeah, that's amazing, yeah. man. And so that's a good change. And then you, so you've switched to this single call method, which has been helpful. You've implemented some software. What was the learning curve like? And then what has been the response from your clients now that you've got more automations in terms of communication? Yeah, for sure. So firstly, with respects to just the learning curve, you know, it's funny when you, you know, watched your podcast when I was firstly on and all those big guys are like, this is what you do to start out, like kind of like the number three things you would do as a new broker. I took heed of none of that. Didn't get a CRM, didn't do it. They're like, nah, I don't need that. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was always like, it was like, hey, you know, operate your business like you're busy. And I understood that, but I didn't have enough business to be able to really wrap my head around the processes of it. So didn't have a CRM, didn't have any uh, real way of tracking data. And the second I got the CRM and now I've got 350 leads in the first quarter of the year, it's like, holy smokes, I am so unorganized. Just imagine having to re-input and retrack 350 new leads, email addresses, notes, where they came from, you know, the referral partner, a lot of work. So it took me about six weeks just to get my CRM actually up and running and actually utilizing it properly. But since then, it's honestly set it and forget it. And I think one of the easiest things or the best things that I like about this new program is the ability to follow up with the realtor. So obviously you have a conversation with the client, you know, X, Y, Z happens on the call, but how do you keep that realtor partner abreast of exactly what's happening without making it a single text or a mapped out email every time? Because it's labor intensive and you miss stuff. So the way that I've been doing it now with the system is whatever notes I make for myself, I copy and paste them in my system into a quick email to the realtor. So I've got my own note and my realtor's notes match that and there it's sent immediately after the call. So no extra step. No need for a text and it's all mapped there that I've already communicated. Okay, with so that. just walk me through this. Let's say you've had a conversation with a client, you write yeah. your notes, then you take an abbreviated version or a, a snippet of that yeah. and you immediately, I've heard this recently, actually, I think Dustin Carlson talks about this, touch the client, touch the realtor. Is that what you've been doing? So when you touch that client, you're also giving a realtor an update. Is that, is that correct? That's exactly it. Yeah. So right on the actual dashboard, when you've got your contact open, it'll show you log a note and right next to the log a note, it's send an email in the actual application. I can just put the realtor's email in and just quickly shoot them off an email from the actual system. So I've actually had realtors like, holy smoke, you're a great communicator and I'm getting a lot more leads and a lot more opportunities. Right. Your process becomes part of your prospecting if you do it right. And so did you pay somebody to set it up for you? No. Okay. You just bought the thing off the shelf and set it up yourself? Well, the good thing about Jungo is that it's already catered for mortgage brokers. So all the drip campaigns, everything that you need is already customized for us. All you have to do is put in your contact information and press go. So yeah, no, I didn't have to do any setup. Like there's a few different things that you can add as far as features to be added in, but the overall, it's just a plug and play. Okay. That's awesome. And uh, so knowing what you know now, so it's been like you got, you said December, 2020. So what would you do different knowing what you know now? If you were starting over today and you're like, you're brand new and you're looking at this mountain, you're trying to climb, what would, what would that look like? Well, I know for sure that the way that I handle my database and the way that I market to my database would have started a long time ago. I've noticed that only in the last few months by creating those, you know, direct marketing emails into the database or to my realtor partners has had a huge uptick in my business. I don't even know if I had the ability or the mental wherewithal to be able to do that early on. But now that I've got things going on, it's really, really seamless. Those are the processes that I think are really, really important. And I just thinking, you know, just overall investing in yourself. Like I've spoke to other brokers that are in my same brokerage and not have the same success early on. And it really just comes down to the same diligence every day. Mindset, you know, making sure your calls are done. And then, you know, everything is after that. 
Right. One of the things I've always loved about you, I mean, is you came into the academy, but you jumped in with both feet. You show up to Game of Phones, so which is making the calls. And I remember you were like, oh, I'm just cold calling now. I remember you were just like, forget it, Scott. I don't even care. And it was working. Are you still doing that or you don't have time anymore now that you're kind of built your stable of referral partners? You know, it's funny. I talked to Sai and Lori a couple of weeks back and Sai was like, yeah, I had to do 50 presentations before I got my stable of realtors. I did 120. I did 120 realtor presentations one-on-one before I was able to get 15 or 20 that I could actually get business from. And I found that obviously the follow-up wasn't so keen. I had now 115, 120 different realtors in this list that I was following up with very, very vaguely. But now, now luckily, I don't have to make those cold calls anymore. I'm not overtly reaching out to any realtors. All the realtors now are in my stable. I'm getting a lot more realtor-to-realtor introductions than anything. I actually have two brokerages right now in particular, both out in the Kitchen and KW area where I'm the dedicated broker for both of these brokerages. One has about 15 realtors and one has about 10. No longer, hey, I got to give out those three cards. It's just they give up my number and I get the referral right away. So why do you think they're referring you? I'm curious. So firstly, they're referring me because I was calling them to look to add value consistently saying, listen, I've got a new presentation. I want to offer some things to your brokerage. These are the new things that are happening in the marketplace, you know, whether it's rent to own or just any new structure that I think would be beneficial to them to unlock leads. And I was really consistent with that. And then I got two or three leads from them and I just knocked them out of the park. The communication was amazing. Got five-star online reviews, sent those realtor partners like goodie bags and baskets and, and books and all kinds of stuff to the actual brokerage so that they saw that I was gifting them. And then I rocked the first couple of leads that they sent my way. So since then, now they send me all of their business, whether it's refi for clients that want to eventually buy or if it's active leads. Yeah. So you hustled, you got them to refer you, and then you just knocked to the park. looks like you got 14 reviews already, which is pretty awesome. I just did a quick search of your name for Google reviews. And so that's outstanding. So how are you implementing that into your process or how are you getting, because you know that's a pretty high number considering the number of files you funded. Yeah, for sure. So a lot of the clients that I work with are curious. They say, hey, Mac, how do you get paid? Like, I even have one client ask me what I get paid, which is a bit crazy, but $1 million. You do a whole doctor, <laughs> yeah. thing, right? What? Yeah, yeah, definitely caught me off guard. But for the most part, when clients say, hey, you know, how do you get paid? I say, listen, I get paid by two things. I get paid from the lender after the fact. They offer me a finder's fee. But most importantly, I get paid by you, by the opportunity to hear your feedback candidly after the experience. So the second that I've got my broker complete and I send that email to say, hey, guess what? You're ready to fund. I immediately send an email after to say, give me an online review. It's been great working with you. Here's the link while we're still in that you know, jittery happy zone. Long before right. closing, I get the review. If you wait till closing, they'll always tell you they'll do it, but then they forget and you know how it is. But in the middle of the process is much more effective. And it's also fresher in their mind. So that's outstanding. Anything that I should have asked you? So, I mean, dude, I'm super impressed with your, yeah, you've invested in yourself, but you did the work. At the end of the day, I always say it's like you could buy a gym membership, but if you don't go, you're not going to get in shape. And so you've done the work, you're hustling. Anything I should have asked you that I didn't ask or you think would be helpful for our listeners? Keeping in mind, this is primarily like people that are newer or rookies. Yeah, 100%. So I'm sure anybody who's listening that's thinking, hey, you know, like maybe it worked for him, but it's may or may not work for me. I'm really just saying like, one of the old slogans that you'd mentioned, like there's nothing in your mortgage business that somebody else hasn't already figured out and problem solved. And the second that I took that and started looking for more resources, using that kind of train or track and you know, what was done prior, it's really just simple. You just be consistent, make sure you make your calls, try and stay positive as well. And obviously my mindset routine is strict. I get up every day at five o'clock, I work out, I do my mindset, I do my reading. 
And the days that I notice that I don't do that, immediately I notice. I'm like, holy smokes, I think I got to do some more mindset today. Like I've just noticed the pivot. So yeah. it's really just about just keeping it simple. Like don't overthink it and look to grow slowly. The problem that I had in the beginning is that I was doing four or five realtor pitches a week. How do you keep in touch with that many realtors and actually add value and be someone that they give a crap about? It's right. not easy. So grow slower do one or two pitches and then stay in touch with those realtors and see if it's even worthwhile you building a relationship with them. And also the idea of you may not even want to work with that realtor. Don't think just because you've gotten on the phone with them, you've done your pitch that you need to now follow up. It yeah. may be you know, a realtor that's not worth your time. Really try to focus your business into those realtors who you know are producing. Because in the beginning, I was calling those novice realtors thinking, hey, you know what? They're new. I'm new. They, you know, they'll get on the phone with me. Zero deals come from that. And it's just a lot of headache and pain and time invested. So Call those busy realtors, act like you know what's happening and essentially, you know, grow your wings while you're falling. That's the yeah. best way to do it. I've often said, you know, it's like you yeah. throw yourself off a cliff and you build the plane before you hit the ground. You know, like get the wings, get the fuel, you know, where's the seat going to go? And sometimes that's what it feels like. But honestly, that's what you have to do. Plus some of this stuff, you just can't learn any other way. You do have to jump in. You can't learn how to get better at the phone unless you pick up the phone. You can't get better at you know, presenting to realtors unless you do them or how to follow up unless you're like, you can't just learn this in isolation. It has to be done with real people, right? And you know, what's funny too, my favorite part of the day is actually the call session. Now, I would much rather spend two or three hours on the phone calling leads and building relationships. I don't want to do the underwriting. I don't want to do right. the document. Well, you'll get there at some point. You may be <laughs> like, hey man, let's hire somebody to do that stuff for me. And yeah. you know, yeah. I move on. So that's awesome. Well, McDaniel, congrats on your success, man. I'm proud of what you're doing and keep crushing it. And we'll be chatting again. Appreciate it, Scott. Thanks so much. All right. Hopefully you found that conversation to be inspiring to see what's possible. You know, a couple of things. McDaniel's a hardworking guy. Like, you know, he showed up with drive. And I remember when he first started doing the calls and doing game of phones and his girlfriend was like, I can't believe you're doing this. This isn't you. You're not somebody who picks up the phone. But, you know, he made the commitment that he was going to be successful. He was willing to do the things, be uncomfortable. And then he just showed up and was part of the community. And now he's a beast at it. So if you're listening to this, and you're like, hey man, how do I do what McDaniel did? I can tell you that we can do it even faster now. McDaniel's doing amazing, but the way we coach people now is significantly improved over what we had McDaniel go through. Go to rookie2rockstar.ca, check out the webinar I have there. I'll walk you through how we help you with finding, conversion, and funding. And check out this conversation with Tom. Hey Tom, welcome to Ask the Experts. Hey Scott, great to be back. So hey, what's the topic we're gonna dive into today? This one's one that will kind of hit home for me a little bit this week. I was actually off a couple of days with an illness. And so I thought it was a good one to chat about is, you know, what happens when you're away? So it can be an illness like me, or it can be a vacation or whatever it is, is what happens to your business if you're not there to monitor it. Right. Okay. Before we turn on the recorder, you're telling me a story about one of your old bosses and how he did not do oh, yeah. this well. So why don't you tell me about, <laughs> tell our listeners how not to do this? Yeah, yeah, no, always one that we joked about, but this guy, you know, is a more a him problem than anything, but he couldn't get away from the work and he set up his processes and the way he worked and all his systems around it. But what it amounted to is that there was one time where he had a big ski vacation with his family. He had a bunch of young kids and he was away, but he couldn't pull himself away that he actually ended up working just about the entire day on the ski hill. So not even in the chalet, he wasn't, you know, feet up by the fire. He was skiing with his kids, but on the phone with us. So right. he'd be on the other end, hearing the swooshing of the snow and him saying, yep, on page three of the slide deck, you need to change this and change that. It was just totally ridiculous. And 
something that I never want to do myself. You don't want to be that guy. You know, it's interesting how it used to be a hundred years ago, people thought, you know, automation, especially robots in particular, or like machines, Mm -hmm. not robots, machines would take away work. Mm -hmm. And that meant that people would have all this leisure time. But all the machines have done is kept us more attached to work, not less. More plugged in. More plugged in. Yeah, it's very interesting. Okay, so how do you not be like that guy? From your perspective as a software developer and a guy who runs, you know, software for mortgage brokers, what do you see how people do this well? Yeah, so I think first and foremost, we'll kind of go back to a concept we've talked a lot about on this program, which is just having a customer journey, a client journey. But really what it comes down to is having that well-defined process, right? So having it, you know, first of all, maybe in a document, whatever that looks like, a very well laid out series of steps that this happens, then this happens, then this happens, then this happens. And then, you know, using a software to really kind of implement that. And I just think it's a great tool. So, you know, whenever someone maybe needs to pick that up, pick up that process, there's a roadmap, right? No one's guessing of what's going on at what time. It's very clear that, hey, for this client, step two was just done. And so now we need to do step three. So really relying on that process is definitely number one. It's amazing how mapping a customer journey and just because you have software, to me, that's not mapping your customer journey. That is the tool that delivers it. It needs to be in a separate document because there are probably multiple tools that are going to be used and multiple people. And so Mm -hmm. mapping the customer journey, if you've never done it, I always say start with lead comes in, what happens and what happens next and what happens next. And it's also really important to assign who. Who is responsible for this stage? So when I get mortgage brokers to do this, they go, holy crap, I can't believe all the things I was doing. And it's yeah, like, I know, exactly. right? And then it's yeah. like, okay, what things can we automate? What things can we create? Outsource. You know, software yep. around, what things can we get help on? And then they go, wow, I didn't realize it. And so to me, it's like creating a recipe for your business and you can't run a business without it. It's that important. Okay, so yeah. well-defined process is the first thing that you notice that successful brokers are doing. What's something else they do in order to not be the guy on the ski hill? Yeah, on the black diamond. Yeah. So, I mean, I completely agree. First of all, right. The process is always the first thing. It's a document. It's a living thing. And then the software can kind of help you get there. Right. And I think how it helps you get there is kind of the second point, which is having some well-defined automations around that process. So, you know, when you talk about just now about the column of who does it, right? Yeah. The more you can say, hey, I'm going to lean on a software to do that, or I'm going to lean on an automation to make this happen, the less that needs to be filled in when you're gone. When the ones next to your name can be done by a software, that's really when you can have a lot okay, of power. Can you give me an example when of away. when you see, I noticed so you guys have three of the top five brokers in Canada use your software. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good, man. That's like yeah, a sure. feather in your cap, but yeah. uh, the other yeah, two just thanks. don't know yet. Like, <laughs> yeah, we're coming yeah. for you. If but they're listening, yeah. If you're listening, right. yeah. you know you're listening. Yeah. Uh, but give me an example of like where somebody would use an automation for something that could eliminate a job for them and or their assistant. Yeah, this is one I always use as an example because it blows people's mind. And I think it's just hugely valuable. So it's the situation where you get a referral from a realtor, let's say, and you need to book some time with that client just as maybe a discovery call. So what we've seen some people do is they've translated their client journey into software so that the Realtor starts, they go to your website. There's a very specific form where they fill in the client details. They hit enter. That form integrates with the CRM. So now it's being tracked in your CRM and the CRM can turn around, send out an email introducing yourself as well as thanking the realtor. And then in that introduction to your client, you include your calendar link. And so that a client can go in there, find when you're available, which 
might not be this week because you're on vacation, but can book that time for the following week. So without you doing anything, you've received a referral, you thank the realtor for that referral, and you already have time on the calendar with your client. Right. I know one of my coaching clients does this. He set up like you're talking about a forum for his realtors to refer him. And he's like, I'm on the golf course. And I see yeah. my realtors referring me clients and they're showing up on my calendar, not for me to talk to them now, but the realtor's happy because, hey, I know that they got it. And the client's happy because they've got a time set and you're happy because you're golfing. You're on, you're on the 18th hole. About you're on the 18th uh, hole. Yeah. You know. yeah. yeah. So I think that's great. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah. first, have a well-defined process. Second, automations. What will be the third kind of point that you want to make around this for people? Yeah. And then the last one here, and this one really kind of speaks to, you know, anyone on a team and that doesn't have to be, you know, someone who works with you all the time. It could be someone who's helping you out temporarily, whatever it is. But the ultimate thing is data transparency, having a centralized place that someone can go and know exactly what's going on with anything, right? Because, you know, you could have all these automations and all that. And if we think about the process, for example, it's great to have that, but there needs to be a place for someone to go to and know, hey, which step am I on? in the process, right? So it's about having that centralized place that can have that. And then also all the stuff that goes around that. So in that same place, having, you know, those email interactions you have with your clients or your to-do list of what needs to get done on this file or what documents are still outstanding, having that all in one place, all in a centralized spot really kind of enables everything that we talked about above. Right. I totally agree. Like, you know, I remember when I was a new mortgage broker and I didn't have any kind of software plan. And, and <laughs> when you have a few clients, you can hold it in your head. Yeah. But you're like, okay, I got two clients. I got this one and that one. But Thomas when that too. number of yeah. clients increases, the complexity increases, you need to add simplification, which in this case is a software. And I also couldn't remember. In my mind, I would merge the you know, the clients in my head, I'm like, was that the client with this issue or that? Like, and it was, and sometimes people <laughs> yeah. would call me and be like, Hey, Scott, how's it going? I want to talk. And they start talking. I have no idea who they are, what file they're talking about. And I just fake yeah. it until I get enough information to realize. Together. Yeah. And so I was talking to my brother-in-law, Chad, who uses blue. So he's put blue on his cell phone. And when he adds a new lead, he adds the contact and he adds it yeah. into blue. And so then it's like, he knows who they are and it's like, oh, okay. And he can update, leave a voice message. It's pretty cool actually from a, you know, keeping the data all connected. I was like, yeah, that would have been a lifesaver for me. Cause I literally had to fake it. I'd be like, I don't know who this is. What file is it? <laughs> yeah. um, and so you don't have yeah, to remember it. You just write it down. So it's really Let the good. tools do the heavy lifting. Right. And then as always, you focus what you're great at as a broker, which is, you know, helping your clients, providing that value, that very specific value that a computer can't. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So a quick recap, well-defined process, use automations where automations. they make sense. And then yep. finally having centralized data, knowing where the files at, what's going on with it. You or someone on your team can pick it up without any lost momentum. Yeah. And um, hopefully if you do all those right, you can enjoy your ski vacation without taking calls from the lift. Right. Yeah, that's don't the, don't that's answer the, goal. the phone on the ski yeah. lift. Like seriously, <laughs> stop. Yeah. Just stop. Oh, Tom, this is awesome. So if you guys are listening to this and you'd love ha some help getting this implemented as well as being able to take a break. A software can really help if you set it up properly. Check out bluemortgage.ca. That's blue no e. with no E, no yep. E. And Tom and his team will be able to help you get this thing running. If you're two of the other top five that are not using blue, giddy up, let's Come go. Come on, yeah. We're gonna get you there. Okay, yep. thanks Tom. Thanks Scott. 
All right. Hopefully you found this interview today, these conversations to be helpful for you. A couple quick things. If you're wanting to build a successful business, one of the things you can do is go to Island Mortgage Brokering, set up a free power search account. You can keyword search all of our past episodes, all the rookie shows, all the 10 loans a month shows, all the 12 hour broker shows, literally hundreds of shows. Find exactly where any keyword is referenced. Jump right to that spot. Listen to it take some notes. It's literally like the best research tool you could ever get. And it's totally free. Check it out at ilovemortgagebrokery.com. And thanks again for listening to this episode. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.